0: Philippe Rose, this is a conversation among friends working in international affairs. We share stories about our life in the real world and beyond the noisy headlines and hope a few interesting insights come out. First, a word from the Fletcher School. Register by May 1st for Fletcher Live Online. This is a collection of five week long courses that give you the essential tools for today's global landscape engage with world-renowned faculty, and enter a global community of fellow leaders, diplomats, CEOs, and innovators tackling many of the same challenges as you. Courses include negotiation, strategy and leadership for social impact, economic inclusion, cyber risk, and understanding climate action. See show notes for details. In this episode, I speak with Ruben Uzeche. Since July, Ruben is the new director of the Diplomatic Academy at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Colombia. Ruben shares with me his journey of personal development, growing up between Colombia and Ecuador, with a strong sense of mission of building bridges between people, of being open to all perspectives, drawing on his. Jesuit education, and working towards improving interregional connections and investing in his and in his family's education in the U.S. to be the best he could be and to serve his country. Ruben, you only recently returned to Colombia after 20 years living abroad. Can you share how it was like growing up in Colombia?
1: Yes, uh, Philip. Uh, I grew up in Bogota. Uh, I was born here, first of all, and uh, my parents, uh, they took the decision at the late '80s to move to live in Quito, in Ecuador. So when I was 14 years old, I went to live in Quito. It was in the middle of high school, so I have my first experience living abroad. Uh, going to move to Ecuador, and that was part of uh, my journey. But the first 14 years, I was always uh, here in Bogota, uh, traveling around the country, in Colombia. My dad is from the south part of uh, Colombia. Uh, Tolima uh, is a, a, a province, uh, a department, we call it here. And my mom is from Boyacá in the north part. And they met uh, together, and they live uh, in Bogota for quite a bit, uh, a long period of time. After they decide to move uh, abroad,
0: and what that, that must have been quite a difficult decision to decide to to leave the country. So, so what what uh, what prompted that?
1: Uh, I feel that uh, my uh, dad, in uh, his experience, uh, uh, he was a journalist and also a politician here in Colombia, and he got uh, very difficult uh, things to decide uh, what to do in yeah. uh, very violent times and. I think that uh, he considered uh, moving uh, back on those days. I, I uh, quite try to understand why he took the decision, because mm-hmm. I remember yeah. uh, I was in high school and uh, he mentioned that he wanted to move. Uh, he was considering to move to Spain or to other place, And he considered yeah. Ecuador yeah. because it was a neighbor country and uh, we can uh, well, he also studied there, so he had a, a good friends there. There was
0: a connection, a good yeah. Connection.
1: So he said, "Okay, Spain is in the other part. Uh, it's a long trip, and with family, is different. It's a difficult task." But he made it. I feel that the right decision because yeah. when he moved uh, to Quito, it was uh, 1987, and those days yeah. uh, were very extremely violent here. And I yeah. don't completely understand. Uh, that it was not a, a good time for raising a family uh, in Colombia. It was a very difficult time.
0: Yeah, And, and was it um, um, to do with his uh, job as a, as a journalist and politician, or, or in general? Oh, in um, general. The,
1: the, I, I, the, I feel that uh, uh, back in those days, uh, many people from Colombia emigrated uh, uh, because yeah. it was not uh, uh, smart to stay here. And, and he, he, I feel that he made the right decision. Uh, in some yeah. way, he was trying to pursue good education, quality of living, and Ecuador is kind of, in those days, it was kind of a paradise for uh, everybody to go to move there. And it still is. I, I met my wife Yeah, there. still is. I met my <laughs> wife in high school, and, and that's why I ended uh, living in Ecuador uh, half of my life. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So how was it like, um, like uh, moving from Colombia to Ecuador as a as a teenager and li- leaving all your friends behind and, and starting off a new life like that?
1: Wow, it was a, a big change. Uh, no matter that these uh, neighboring countries uh, we have same traditions I and mean,
0: in uh, yeah, yeah. the
1: early uh, years of this country, Colombia was part. Uh, was a bigger uh, uh, land, uh, including Venezuela, Panama, Colombia, and Ecuador. So it was a huge uh, territory when Bolívar, the liberator, created this country. But uh, in some way, we uh, still consider ourselves uh, brothers and sisters uh, in some way. And uh, when you moved uh, to Quito, uh, you were received in in, in a good way. But back in the 80s, Mm. uh, the bad reputation that we have as Colombians was not easy. I I remember that uh, the jokes, well, that's a stigma that uh, follow Colombians everywhere in the world. Everybody was talking about narcos and that kind of uh, thing. Yeah. And uh, it was difficult to open a positive uh, uh, image of, of the country mm, abroad. Yeah. Uh, but uh, most of my friends, uh, they were joking, uh, making jokes about that. But uh, yeah. I never yeah. took it personally. I tried to understand uh, uh, how they see Colombia from abroad. Uh, and I was trying to do my best. And I remember that uh, back in those days, the Colombian passport was a green one. And uh, in the first uh, page, it uh, said that the good name of Colombia depends on you. So I always... Oh, wow. Uh, That's a powerful I message. Always, yes. I always remember that uh, uh, um, it was a long phrase, but uh, in a nutshell, is what it, uh, that, that was a clear message. And I took it personally, and I remember that... Uh, I was always trying to do my best uh, to uh, cure the bad image that Colombia has uh, uh, in this case in Ecuador and then in any place that I went to live.
0: Yeah, I must say that uh, g- growing up I- I- in in Europe the the the, the uh, reputation of of Colombia was was always uh, associated with uh, danger and um, um i i i i took an opportunity of a of a trip to the region to to uh give it a try a friend of mine had been and and told me that um the reality had nothing to do with uh, with the reputation and uh and indeed, it was a, it was a fantastic uh, fantastic trip. I, I visited uh, a few of the more touristic areas, like Santa Marta and Cartagena, yeah. but I also had a chance to go inland uh, around Popayan and in, in some of the mountains to, towards uh, Ecuador. I think, uh, and that, that was that was absolutely amazing. Like like really picturesque, absolutely uh, extremely welcoming, and and uh, yes, very very uh, fascinating uh, uh,
1: trip. I yeah. I feel that Colombia has a lot of uh, things to show to the world. But uh, yeah. they, we have, like, a, as I mentioned, uh, this stigma that carries us for yeah. many years, uh, a violent country uh, back, uh, back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, some people consider Colombia a failed state. And uh, that's yeah. the reason for, for many of us uh, to emigrate. Uh, and Steve, uh, this is not working. And uh, we try to open uh, another dream in another land. That's one of the reasons yeah. of my uh, parents. but. At the end, I remember that I ended high school and I told my dad I wanted to study school, college, university in, back in Colombia, and I returned back to study here uh, law school uh, in Bogota.
0: Wow! In okay. yeah. so you really uh, you really straddled the, the 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 two countries and and uh, yes. acted already as a, as a as a bridge actually between the two. Yes, all,
1: all the time in between the two, and, and I remember when I uh, returned back to Colombia, it was in. Uh, by the end of high school, it was the beginning of the 90s. And I uh, started yeah. for five years uh, from 1991 to 1995 uh, at the law school in uh, Pontificia Universidad Javeriana is the Jesuit University here in Bogota. And it was yeah. kind of interesting to see the other. It, it was another stage of life. Uh, Colombia was trying to change uh, uh, the way that uh, we face uh, the the narcoterrorism that we suffered back in those uh, years in between the 80s and the 90s. And I remember that uh, during those days, uh, it was uh, very uh, difficult to study in a university. Well, you, uh, when we were young, we don't take care of risk and we don't understand what yeah. what is about to happen. But I was uh, studying law and it was uh, very connected with politics. And I was very active in, in politics in my country during those days. And I feel that uh, in some way uh, that inspired me to, to uh, try to uh, reconnect with my country, with my family, with my yeah. uh, people. And uh, in, in, in some uh, metaphoric way, I feel that uh, those uh, five years living here uh, also changed me a lot because uh, after that... Yeah. Uh, I returned back to live in Ecuador uh, at the end uh, of the of law school.
0: Wow! And so, when you were uh, studying law in in uh, in uh, Colombia, and and uh, uh, you you mentioned you were you were playing a role in in um, you were a political activist as a student. Yes, I, I, I tell- was
1: I was a youth uh, leader uh, uh, back on those days. Uh, believe me, Philip, I was uh, well uh, Colombia. Uh, it's very well known that we have uh, back in the last century uh, a division in between those two political parties, the liberals and conservatives. Uh, yeah. And uh, my family was conservative, so I have uh, very strong connections with the conservative party. So I have a lot of connections with them back on those days. Uh, and I uh, try to understand why my grandparents, my parents, uh, everybody was in that party. And I make those connections, and I was a uh, A young leader, Uh, I remember uh, most of the people in my university, they know me because I was uh, very engaged in in activism, uh, in uh, trying to move uh, people to vote, uh, to uh, start uh, dialogues uh, or debates uh, in other universities, uh, even uh, to start a new movement that we wanted uh, to do inside the university. I was the editor of the newspaper. And I was always trying to uh, threat uh, in some way the, the establishment, but but in a good way, uh, trying to follow uh, as an advocate for all of us. Yeah. And, and I was always in that uh, feel, uh, trying to uh, make uh, to hear my to, to make, make no, some noise, but uh, try to uh, uh, spark in some way my voice to others. And and I remember that by that time, uh, it was a a group of everybody of us. We were in the middle of a new constitution, a new political movement. Everybody was trying to do a peace accords with the first guerrilla, the M-19. Uh, We had a a lot of people that were uh, killed in the middle of the uh, elections. So it was kind of uh, very difficult for us. To, to to see like a message of hope. So we wanted yeah, yeah. Uh, in 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 that law school, we wanted to uh, spark in some way the spirit that politics was a, a good uh, way of uh, thinking and acting in order to help the society.
0: And it it sounds like what was motivating what what was motivating you was uh, less. It- it was less about uh, advocating for the the conservatives point of view but was to encourage political participation and and- see, seeing the political process as a force for, for good is that is that correct is that yes, what uh, yes
1: because I, I remember i i i always wanted to understand why I was so open to talk to everybody uh, by, oh, okay. by that time <laughs> I, I was uh, very open i, I feel that uh, uh, being uh, raised in two countries uh, in those days, I was uh, just, uh, I just had the experience of living three years in Ecuador, but that changed me in yeah. some way because uh, I, I wanted to return to my country and to do uh, something for, for Colombia and I wanted to return also for my family. But uh, in the middle of that, the international system opens to me because I remember at law school, uh, the first class that I took uh, that uh, engaged me uh, 100% was international law. Uh, and I remember that right. when I was there, uh, it, it catch my attention because I have always the connection with Ecuador and in some way I yeah. wanted to explore things uh, uh, beyond Colombia. And uh, I remember that uh, it was uh, in the middle of the career, uh, I was uh, uh, in a trip visiting Quito again, and I met again my, my high school sweetheart, now is my wife. So uh, yeah. we started dating, uh, she in Quito and me in Bogota, and we, oh, well. <laughs> we, we have a, a long-distance relationship. And by the end of uh, law school, I went and I married her, and we started raising a family in Ecuador. So it was kind of uh, very uh, moving in between the two countries uh, in some way. Your family and your country, uh, like uh, it was like kind of opposites, uh, but uh, always uh, I remember talking with my wife. Uh, I wanted to do something for my country someday, but yeah. uh, but I, I was always uh, in between the two options to live and to raise a family. And I think uh, again, I, I uh, ended raising my family in Ecuador.
0: And I heard you mentioned. Uh, that you were in a Jesuit school. Uh, I also heard you um, uh, briefly refer to uh, Simon Bolivar. And I also, you mentioned your, your family had a political background. And then on top of that, you were almost uh, living the uh, principles of Bolivar by, by, by acting as a bridge, if you like, between the two countries. So there's, it sounds like there was a lot of rich, Symbols and ideas that were influencing you like like, yes, was there one? In- yeah, tell, tell us more.
1: Oh, no, believe me. First of all, uh, the Jesuits, uh, I feel that they plant or seed uh, in me uh, good ideas. Uh, first, uh, I-, I couldn't understand while I was starting why they forced us uh, to open to everybody. The, the The way that we talk, the way that we approach any topic. Uh, and I remember back in law school here in Colombia, I had many different professors from many different points of view, and, uh, and I like it because that's the way that you you think. And even uh, talking about uh, religion, I remember uh, having three years uh, of classes uh, in. Uh, it's, it's not theology classes, but it was kind of a, a social a Catholic social doctrine. Uh, but they were trying to to teach us how to be Christians in a practical way, or in a pragmatical way, uh, that uh, yeah. not, not in in theory but in practice. And uh, and mm-hmm. I never understand why, but in some way they were trying to force us to change, uh, to challenge uh, our minds, to listen to the other, the different perspective, yeah. yeah. even people that are non-religious or they don't believe in the same faith that we have or uh, that, that kind of things that uh, when you grew up, you said, wow, that's, that's in me and they planted on me. And, and in some way, uh, it, it was uh, uh, those uh, uh, seeds that start growing inside yeah. me. And when I moved uh, back to, to Quito, I remember that I uh, have to study again and I went to another Jesuit school. Uh, because of the connection in between the two universities. and I uh, only study one year there, but, uh, but it, it makes sense to me. Uh, and I said, wow, the, these uh, uh, guys, uh, I know that the Jesuit has a good and bad reputation in some places, but the education, the quality of the education is really good. Yeah. And I feel that the, the one important thing that I can uh, took from them is one phrase from uh, uh, Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, for the uh, Catholic, is Saint Ignatius of Loyola. For people who know him in some ways, Ignatius, uh, he was uh, uh, one guy who uh, catch a phrase that if you want to lead, you first start leading yourself. And yeah. it, it yeah. was kind of uh, interesting for me because uh, when I move in between the two countries, uh, that resonates uh, within myself uh, for a while. I married early uh, in life. I I started early and, and I feel that uh, raising a family uh, as a young guy with my wife, uh, those seats were always inside uh, me and it uh, makes me to realize that I was in some way bridging uh, two cultures, uh, not only uh, what, what I, I had been doing for my entire life in between Ecuador and Colombia, but also with my own kids because my kids, uh, they both uh, have dual citizenship. Uh, The three of them uh, were born in Quito, but uh, they were raised between the two countries in some way.
0: And what did what did it mean to you to lead yourself, actually?
1: I feel, uh, Philip, that uh, you need to. uh, I feel that this is a matter of time Uh, when you mature Mm -hmm. and when you get to know uh, yourself. I feel this 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 is something that, in some way, is a Socratic, Socratic method of when you go to a study and you uh, go higher in education, is not uh, all the IQ level that you acquire, but is the know, uh, the knowing of yourself, your weaknesses, yeah. your strengths, uh, how you can uh, help uh, uh, from within, uh, because if you are uh, in some way center or balance, you can help uh, uh, lead first yourself, then your family and then the society. And I feel that, uh, as I mentioned to you, this uh, Jesuit uh, system of education helped me to understand that not in those years of study, but later in life, I came to realize that uh, it was a seed that was uh, very deep imprinted on me and grew and uh, flourished when I was living in Boston uh, doing my master's (laughs) degrees. I feel that 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 was the the, the aha moment that uh, you said, wow, what is happening here? I have been doing all of this for all my life and all of this uh, knowledge that you have inside, you need to go and make reflection and introspection to process it and then start sharing with others. It's a knowledge that is difficult to have.
0: It sounds like uh, it's extremely uh, wise to be having these thoughts at such a young age as a student i mean you mentioned there were there were seeds but um if i try to imagine all the energy that you had as a idealistic student wanting to help others and then having always this little voice at the back of your head saying actually i have to start leading myself first and i I'd, I'd love to to hear more about um uh, how that seed grew in in the us how you got to the us why and and then t- tell us more about this Uh, Socrates' wisdom, how it blossoms when you you finally arrive in the U.S.?
1: Well, Philip, I I remember that uh, back in the 90s, one of my professors at Haveriana University, he sent us uh, uh, a farewell uh, the last day of class. And it has uh, a phrase from a professor at Oxford University back in the 18th century. And uh, I don't remember the name of the professor, but I remember the phrase. And it was the same idea. Uh, it says, mm. it, it doesn't matter that, that you, it was at the end of the five years of college. Uh, here we have a different system of universities, not like the American college system yeah. Four years, it's five years. And I remember that the last year he gave us this letter and, and I always carry it with me. I remember that I have that letter because it was a reflection of, uh, it doesn't matter about the IQ, all the readings, all the spending all night uh, at the library, working with your team, party all the time, whatever you are doing at college, Mm. that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you ended knowing yourself. And that carried with me all the time. And I said, wow, this is very deep, very profound. And I feel that I needed to dig more. And when I uh, first uh, mentioned to you that I went to live in Ecuador, it was like a kind of shock culture, but I wanted to force myself in a new language. At the beginning, I was thinking in France or in Geneva, in Switzerland, uh, the HAE, the Institute of uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this International Studies uh, at the University yeah. of Geneva. I, I forgot. That. I remember the HAE, the the the, the whole yes. Name. And I was Th- thinking.
0: That's of- the, the the French name, Institute internationales.
1: That's my hometown, Geneva. <laughs> exactly. So I, I was thinking on going there, but uh, uh, one of my best friends uh, from Quito. Uh, he was pursuing his PhD at the IDS in London, in, in Sussex, in the UK. And okay. uh, he suggested me uh, to go in that direction. And I went, okay, if I go to Europe, then I need to learn French and English because that was the requirements of HA. And I said, okay, that's a lot. I have kids. I have my wife. And I said, no. I remember it was the year 2006. And I ended uh, a project that I was leading in uh, Ecuador. And uh, I took all the money and I carried my family for two months, uh, traveled to the U.S., uh, my wife and my two kids. And I drove from all the, the New England region, even the, from the south, from Washington. And I went to visit Georgetown, uh, Yale, Princeton, uh, Harvard, and ended in Fletcher at uh, the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts because a good friend of mine suggested me to visit that school. I never heard about Fletcher before, and in that trip, back in the summer of 2006, I ended realizing that I needed more, and I needed, and I wanted to do it, and I wanted to invest my for myself and for my wife and my kids in education, and that's what another reflection of the Jesuits, and I remember that when I went in Fletcher, I have a Several interviews uh, all over those places, but uh, in Fletcher, they touched my heart. I remember that uh, the the director of admissions and financial aid, she asked me, uh, uh, well, she she asked me during one hour or more than an hour an interview, very deep uh, that summer, (laughs) and I remember that I was driving from New York to Boston to get on time to the interview. And I arrived uh, directly <laughs> from New York to the to the Fletcher School. I parked there. Uh, I left uh, my wife and my kids uh, uh, around the area, working in the campus. And she said, "No, invite them." So my wife and my kids, uh, they were kids. Wow. So we ended enter, and then she interviewed me, uh, and it was kind of interesting because uh, she asked me many, many, many questions. My English level by that time was a higher high level intermediate. It was not uh, uh, as good as I uh, want uh, to, to study by that time, but she asked me very deep questions. And the hardest one was about 9-11. And I remember that mm. she asked me uh, uh, how do I feel with, uh, with uh, the events of 9-11 and if I had visited the ground zero. And I said, yes, I went to ground zero many years ago. And also I went yesterday. And I was there and I was crying and making a prayer. And she said, yeah. why? And I said, because believe me, I totally understand what is terrorism. No matter the cause. I totally yeah. understand. And she made me cry in the middle of the interview because wow. it rebotes uh, all my uh, uh, feelings of what I experienced back in Colombia. that I, I almost was killed by a bomb of Pablo Escobar here in the 90s. And I... And I feel uh, the empathy uh, of uh, those events uh, deep inside in my in myself. And I said, believe me, uh, it was Lauri Horley and I, I told her, Lauri, uh, I wanted to, to do more, and I wanted wow. to, to yeah. help this world in a better way and uh, that nobody, uh, it doesn't matter what country, suffer the same that we suffer in Colombia.
0: Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. It's a very powerful story, and you 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 shared that with with your family around yes.
1: you. Yes. No. Well, wow. that, that interview was uh, myself, myself and Laurie only. But my wife right, and right. my kids they were uh, visiting the Hall of Flags and, and trying to get to know picture. Yeah.
0: Wow. Incredibly moving. Uh, incredibly moving story. Yeah.
1: Yes, It, it was yeah. kind of interesting and, and inspired me a lot, uh, Philip, because I I see. Uh, back on those days, uh, as I mentioned, my English wasn't uh, good. So the first thing that I did uh, was uh, uh, training myself in English. So I, I, I was living in Quito in Ecuador. And I, the first thing that I did was uh, went to live uh, in uh, Massachusetts for one year. Uh, and I applied to the Fletcher School. It was uh, the year 2008, uh, 2009. I studied extremely hard. I went to live in a yes. town... Uh, very close to to Boston, Winchester. Uh, And I went to live there uh, with my kids and had the experience. And in some way, that year was a catharsis for me because I was accepted uh, to pursue the MAL program, the Master of Arts in Law and Diplomacy, uh, with a great scholarship. Uh, It it was also a fellowship, and and I was honored to have that uh, experience. But uh, health issues uh, uh, forced me to defer uh, the program so I have to return back to Ecuador and I couldn't oh. study the, the, the MAL program. But uh, later I remember that I was in touch with uh, Fletcher staff all the time and they talked me about the GMAP and and I ended uh, doing the GMAP first. But later I said I wanted more and I, I, I wanted to, or I was coming here at the first time, the MAL program. So I did the two master programs uh, in a period of almost, uh,
0: Five years. Wow, this, this is incredible. So, you were admitted for, for the MALT program, but had to defer for health issues. And then you did the mid career GMAT yes. before actually doing the deferred MALT. Yes.
1: I did the GMAT, and then yeah. you have the option to pursue the MALT program. And I took that decision. And, and uh, when, when I was in Boston again, because I returned back. Uh, this was uh, the year 2011. Uh, I uh, I was in GIMAP 2011, the class of 2012. Uh, I ended yeah. up graduating in 2013 because uh, of my English uh, barrier. Uh, my capstone took me a, a little bit more time, but but it was a good uh, thesis. I I, I I am an idealistic person, and I took uh, some theoretical framework and. Uh, Uh, A very hard uh, defense of my thesis with Ian Johnston, that maybe you know him. Uh, Yes. It it, it was very tough by that time. He was the academic dean, and and I did it great. But uh, I wanted more, and I applied for the MAL program in 2014, and I moved back to Boston in 2014 uh, until uh, this year uh, that I ended uh, returning back to Colombia.
0: Wow, and, but, but how how was it like doing the Malt program after the mid-career G, GMAP? Because I imagine you you must have been one of the more uh, experienced c- compared to the others in the class who are yes. uh, maybe in the late late twenties with like three four years experience. Yes,
1: uh, that, that was uh, it, it. Was kind of interesting, Philip, because in some way I I, I feel that uh, my Malt experience after the GMAP one. Uh, was trying to uh, have the, the best of both worlds from Fletcher.
0: Yeah.
1: And in some yeah. way, I share my experience at GMAT with uh, other MALE students. And I expanded yeah. uh, the way of uh, uh, discovering your, your inner roots. For example, I, yeah. I give you an idea. I took uh, some classes with Professor Alan Henriksen. He's retired right now. but uh, He was one of my mentors uh, in the MADLE program. And I remember that uh, in one of his classes, he uh, uh, asked us uh, for an essay. And the essay, the question of the essay is, "Who you are? Who am I?" And yeah, you yeah, had, wow. you, that was a deep question. And, and I remember that I, it was like a, a, a connection with myself. And I said, "Wow, I'm here." And I remember back in 2006, all the journey, all the investment. And I was in the middle of a struggle because believe me, when I moved uh, for the MA program, a lot of things happened to us. We were living not in Winchester, but in Lexington. It was the, the yeah. first shot of the independence of uh, the U S. And it was kind of a good town for reflecting, for introspection. I was spending most of my time with my family, with the library, at the library in Lexington, at the library, Jean library, and also uh, at the teach library at Tufts. And it was kind of uh, uh, quite a good time to read, to reflect, and also to find uh, these wonderful professors uh, reflecting or uh, living in, in campus. I, I didn't live in campus, but but I was living close to campus, so I bike to, to Fletcher. I also went by public transportation. Uh, my wife uh, picked me up or dropped me off uh, at uh, campus. But uh, I have the opportunity to have more of the GMAP experience. So that put me yeah. in, a, in a good level of uh, uh, understanding myself a little bit. And as I mentioned to you, investing almost all my money in educating myself yeah. and my kids. Because by that time, my daughter started uh, at BC, at Boston College. Uh, my second son started at another university, Berkeley University. And I was uh, al- almost spending all uh, our savings and uh, uh, getting loans uh, to to educate ourselves and my youngest son. One other thing that I wanted to mention, I choose Lexington because of the education system. And that again connects with uh, Ignatius of Loyola of the Jesuits. Uh, I remember that he wrote a letter to King Philip II back uh, 500 years ago. And he mentioned that all the good of the world depends on the quality and good education of the youth. And uh, that's one thing that I remember I told my wife and my kids, believe me, it doesn't matter what it takes, how much money I have to spend, but I will invest it all for education.
0: And, and tell us a bit like your, your impressions of, of uh, moving to the U.S. And, and with your whole family and, and getting to know this this, this country and essentially almost building a, like a, a, a second bridge, if you like, from, from Latin America to the U.S. How, how was that like? What was... What was going through your head as well? Because you had clearly um, strong idealistic views about uh, passing on education, about uh, tr- trying to uh, m- maybe uh, be an agent for change, and, and to, to uh, you mentioned also wanting to uh, uh, influence uh, the world around you to, to um, uh, fight against um, uh, terrorism and things like that. So, what was going on?
1: Well, the first thing that I, I wanted to mention that after I finished the GIMA program, I remember that I I was uh, in the middle of my Capstone project. My Capstone project yeah. was about integration in the Americas. And that means yeah. from Canada to Argentina. Kind of the, yeah. the in in some way, the, the ideas of, or the visionary of Bolivar in some way, but yeah. not, not, uh, not in the same way that he wanted to do it. And, and I was yeah. inspired by some of his ideas, and, and I remember that uh, when I defend my thesis, it was a very good defense. Uh, I have my wife and my two kids uh, as uh, in, the, in room. the room, and and, I, wow. and it was a battle in between the, the director and me, and it was good, uh, good defense about theoretical framework because I use European integration theories to test my hypothesis yeah. about how I see integration in the Americas. And I remember that uh, in October 2013, I traveled to Washington, D.C. to, to meet, uh, no, it was, uh, sorry, it was before, 20, uh, no, I am trying to reconnect the days, but well, August was the defense of my thesis, and October, we, we were celebrating uh, an anniversary of the, the, the Fletcher School, and introducing yeah. the new dean Admiral James Stabilis. And I yes, remember yeah. that I, I have in the middle of the process, I don't remember the sad date, but I remember that I have to uh, defend my thesis. August It was August of 2013. And I remember that uh, when I went to, to, the, to the Fletcher School, I wanted to understand who was the new dean because he could probably end uh, uh, visiting the, the room and asking for questions. And when I was <laughs> uh, about to uh, finish my Capstone uh, project, uh, I read his bio uh, and Admiral Stavides wrote a book about partnership for the Americas, And that, mm-hmm. that book uh, was dedicated to Simon Bolivar. So I said, wait no, a wait. second. I said, wait a second. I need to understand what this guy from America has of, a, of, of the picture of Latin America. And I traveled to Washington, <laughs> D.C. to meet him. And I, I, when I met him, he was speaking to me in Spanish and I was speaking to him in English. And we were, no way. we have a dialogue. Uh, it was crazy stuff, about it, but he mentioned a lot of things. And I said, I, I read your book and I am totally agree that we need to build a partnership in this, uh, in this building. And he said, what do you mean by building? And I said, from Canada to Argentina, we have a building. And believe me, if some of the floors are on fire, the entire building could collapse. So we need to create more bridges among us. And we need to connect more people like you and me to build the, this region and the entire world a message of hope that we can reconnect again. And uh, he liked it. Then I did the MAL program. Then I started all my, my, my <laughs> uh, theories a little bit uh, try to understand how it's working uh, in between the region. But it was kind of inspiring for me to find more people that see the Americas Uh, not as the US or Brazil separated, but trying to connect to each other. And uh, and I remember uh, uh, back in those days, I remember that uh, in the thesis I wrote, uh, I I tested one theory of Mitrani, the Funcionalist uh, School of uh, International Relations. He mentioned that the only way to test solidarity and cooperation is when you are at war or in a pandemic, in a very catastrophic uh, period of time, that everybody start to cooperate and collaborate. And it it was kind of inspiring to me that uh, right now uh, we are experiencing this pandemic and we see more collaboration, sometimes more division, but but we still feel collaboration and solidarity among us.
0: what i'm finding fascinating is it sounds like you really went through a journey of development from the inside out where where you invested a lot of uh, time energy and money in in uh, in, in in really uh, developing your your core your center your balance and then um, you, you you through living in the us you you started really discovering um american culture american ways of thinking i guess the complexities of the country so uh, I, I guess I, i'd love to understand a bit more like wh- when did you start starting to um uh, kind of go out of your uh core to, to start uh experimenting with action and then h- how did uh uh, what was the effect w- when, when you started doing that in the U.S.? Like, w- 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 what was surprising to you? What was maybe easy? and What was challenging?
1: Well, li- living for seven years in the Boston area, uh, I feel that the U.S. is a very uh, unique experiment of federalism. And uh, when I tested the theory in my thesis, I was trying to test it in some way that you see the U.S. as the first paradigm of, of uh, federalism. And the EU, the European Union, as the new paradigm of uh, integration in some way, how power is always in the center. But I feel that when you get to know another country that you are not allowed to uh, have opinion or a political opinion or participate in that. And I was there from 2014 uh, until this year and all my kids are still living there, and my family, well, my parents and my siblings, all they live in the U.S. I feel that it's a very unique country where every different person from different backgrounds uh, and from different parts of the world, they are are trying to make that American dream that they have come true. And in some way, Mm -hmm. living there as a student, then as a worker, because I also... Uh, have experience to work there. Uh, it was kind of uh, interesting to see that my Latin American roots, uh, being raised and, and born and in, in in South America and in between Colombia and Ecuador, uh, like in some way, I wanted to to make connections with the Americans. And believe me, uh, mm-hmm. Philip, I went to live in Lexington because uh, the only Latin American people living there were. Two, three, four, five families, Uh, everybody was, uh, I I was forced to improve my English skills by nature, my wife, my kids, everybody. So we went directly to the core of the foundation of the nation. And I feel that Lexington, in particular, that town, uh, has a unique perspective for everybody who goes and lives there because uh, it opens your mind to different points of view. Everybody, I, mm-hmm. I never yeah. experienced in my entire life, ne- never, neither in Colombia or Ecuador, that kind of cooperation and solidarity in a, a small town and community, multi faith yeah. uh, people from different uh, religions, even people who were agnostic or atheist, all collaborating to the same purpose, education. So I like yeah. it, yeah. and I remember that when, yeah. I, when I was living in Lexington, for me. Uh, it was one of the utopian societies that you can imagine because uh, it's uh, always good vibrations of people uh, that wanted uh, to be educated and their kids to be educated to help this world to be a better place.
0: That's that's incredible. So so it was kind of you mentioned the word utopia. I mean that that's that's like quite a powerful image. Like is is that how did it change you? Is that like something you wanted to? learn from and then kind of replicate uh, in Colombia in some ways? Yes.
1: Believe me, Philip, uh, you mentioned that bridge uh, in between us. Uh, I remember that uh, many, many people, uh, not just uh, at South University, but also uh, Harvard and Boston College, I have the opportunity to work at Boston College also. And uh, even where my kids went to, to school, I always uh, listen to the the ways that they say, uh, come here, uh, learn, and then go and spark that spirit in your own country. And I feel that in some way you you wanted to, to to try. Why not? Yeah. And I, and I feel yeah. that uh, after living there, working there, uh, I I was in the middle of a process this year uh, to to. Uh, get trapped in some way in Boston. And, and because they said that for some people is the end of the road, and for the other is the hub of the universe. Because Boston is, <laughs> uh, for me, the academic capital of the world. And people yeah. from many parts of the world go there. They stop one, two years, and then they return back to their home countries. But in some way, I was trapped uh, seven years in a good way. It makes me who I am right now. and. Uh, makes me to put more balance on my family, my, my kids, uh, my wife. Uh, that's the most important part of my life. And I feel that my dream, when I have the opportunity to go there and study, and for me it's also a blessing to have the opportunity to find the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, I feel in some way back in 2006 I, I had that ideal to serve my country Uh, And even Ecuador, Colombia or Ecuador, I am not uh, Ecuadorian. I am just Colombian by citizenship. But uh, I feel in some way to help these countries. And in the middle of uh, uh, May, I was about to be recruited by Harvard uh, University. And uh, uh, by that time, uh, I was in the middle of a very uh, uh, hard... uh, uh, pace of my life because my dad was uh, passing away. He was uh, about to pass away, he passed away in May. He was uh, ill and uh, we were all together supporting each other uh, in the US. And uh, I remember that uh, I was in the middle of the process to uh, uh, be hired uh, by uh, Harvard University. And uh, it's a very competitive uh, uh, position and uh, it's really hard. And I was one of the finalists. But uh, the last interview, I was one of the finalists. My dad just passed away, and I was completely uh, not uh, yeah, yeah. in in a hundred percent of my mind uh, for that interview. But it was kind of interesting how things turned uh, from some way to other and yeah. ended in in uh, moving you to other direction. And I remember that uh, by the end of the interview, I shared. Uh, they asked me a lot of questions about uh, things that happened in my life. I share with them that I was also uh, taken as a hostage uh, here in Colombia, like 20 years ago, negotiated a lot of bad things that happened to me here in Colombia. And they asked me, wow, but what is the most difficult thing that, that you handle in your life? And I said, this interview. And they said, what? <laughs> they said, why? And I said, because my dad just passed away two days ago. And uh, wow. I, by that time, uh, the two uh, ladies that were uh, running the interview from Harvard, they started making a prayer. And they made wow. a prayer and they made me cry. And I feel that it was uh, kind of a very unique experience for me. And uh, I ended up uh, the next day traveling to Florida to bury my dad. And I remember that uh, in the middle of that, I received a message from the vice president, now minister of foreign affairs of Colombia, asking for my resume. And I uh, met wow. her back in the 90s when I was uh, here at law school, and uh, she asked me for my resume, but she had it uh, before because we, we have the opportunity to have a dialogue during the years. And uh, I sent her the message, and she said, no, please send me right now. is immediately, but I was in the middle of this process with my family. And I couldn't understand, but my brother told me uh, now she is the minister of foreign affairs. And I said, well, well she's the vice president. He has dual positions right now and she said yes so and then oh. I realized oh okay now I understand where I am going to end so uh, oh, wow. that's when I uh, becoming realizing that this is the opportunity for me to start serving in my country and I received the offer uh, from the government never been uh, in the government in the government before at public service but I took it the decision and I said to my wife and my kids this is the time uh, uh, you are grown ups right now. You can uh, still uh, be living here and starting here and working here, but I need to return back to my country to do something yeah. for my country for my people.
0: Wow, this is an incredible, incredible story. And so, so you 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 ended up receiving this this offer to come back to to uh, to Colombia to to, to work uh, in, in the diplomatic circle, right? Yes. Is that, can, you, can you share a little yes, bit? about it, that?
1: it was it was uh, kind of funny because. Uh, Uh, One of my mentors uh, from Colombia was a very close friend of my dad, but he passes away uh, 10 years ago. Uh, His name is Augusto Ramirez Ocampo. He was a former minister of foreign affairs. He was a statesman. Uh, He was one of the top leaders in the diplomat world uh, of Colombia in the UN system in the region. And even he was one of the uh, peacemakers of the El Salvador uh, peace process. Uh, the Contadora Group and uh, many things that he made uh, for the region and also for Colombia. And we share offices together, we work together. I was uh, his uh, attorney. He was one of my recommenders at Fletcher. uh, And and, uh, the the good thing is that uh, the name of the Diplomatic Academy is under his name. Uh, The Congress of Colombia honored him and his memory for all his services to the country, Uh, after him and uh, when they mentioned to me that option I said that that is the position and they said but uh, we are in difficult time is the last year of government I said "Uh, it doesn't matter I will take it and I will try to lead uh, from that position because it's the core of the diplomatic service from here we train all Colombian diplomats we also uh, uh, manage in some way all the ambassadors and consuls and Uh, all the diplomatic corps around the world. And uh, it's a very unique position that in some way is academic, is not political, uh, but Mm -hmm. uh, in some way you are trying to change in some way the way that they see the world and how they can uh, have uh, some opportunities to uh, listen to other experience from a a a Colombian person, part of the diaspora who is returning back to your country.
0: And how are you you uh using your because it so, it sounds like it's a position that that um enables you to to basically draw from your whole life and then put all of that energy and wisdom uh to, to, to uh to influence um the diplomatic core. Like like it it sounds like Almost the work of a of a lifetime in a way. Like, like, how 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 are you approaching it?
1: No, I feel, Philip, the first with uh, humility. I I feel when when I came here back to Colombia, I came uh, as I mentioned to you. I took the decision of investing all my savings, all my money uh, in education uh, for myself, for my wife, and for my kids. And uh, and I ended here. in some way, with a lot of debt, because uh, starting in the U.S. is not, uh, is not cheap. It's, yeah. uh, it's very, <laughs> a very demanding thing. But I, I feel that when I when I enter Colombia again after 20 years, well, I work here and I have offices for several years uh, before the passing away of uh, the former minister, Augusto Ramirez Ocampo, and uh, mostly his son. He was one of my closest friends and partner, uh, but I always stay in touch with them, but, but never live again here. So when I ended here, yeah. the first thing that I did, uh, I, I was living almost for one month and a half in a hotel, uh, starting working uh, uh, in a very uh, fast pace and demanding pace because uh, uh, it's a lot of things, it's a lot of work. Uh, I was overwhelmed. I, I all, all, Also, I ended uh, in the clinic uh, because of uh, a lot of stress in the work. But, oh, my but God. Because it was... <laughs> Kind of a shock culture in reverse, uh, because you are trying to adapt again to your country, but, uh, to but, your <laughs> but but it's a lot of things that that you see that uh, hasn't changed. So uh, you yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you wanted to do it, but but you need to be patient. And I and I feel that the first thing that I did was be humble. And I feel that it's important <laughs> to to understand that I arrive in a very good position, but I try to uh, don't uh, impose anything to. Uh, the diplomatic course and to the people that surround me, and including my team, I never change. Nobody, I continue with the same team because that was thing that I learned from Fletcher. You need to adapt and to uh, be resilient in the way that you change environments. And, and I feel that uh, the best way by leading is by example. So I, I uh, took uh, the ideas of my predecessor. I try to continue with that and in some way, adapt uh, to uh, inspire them by example. And uh, in this uh, past four months and a half, I feel that uh, we are making a good effort, all the team, because uh, a good leader inspires others to be leaders, no followers. And I feel that right now, uh, the team that I have at the ministry, they are working in a very good way, and I feel that I am trying to spark and inspire them to believe in themselves and try to uh, be more positive about the way that we can do something big, uh, bigger than ourselves, and uh, serving the country because the, the foreign service is uh, and the diplomatic service is one of the most sensible parts of any country of the world because it's the first line of defense. Uh, in terms that we are always in between peace and war in a very problematic international relations system that we have. But uh, we need to to inspire them to understand that we are dealing with the most valuable people that the world needs yes. uh, to lead.
0: And, and how do you think your team dis- would describe you uh how do you think they they talk about you? Actually,
1: I feel that they, that they right now they they, they always uh, uh, are trying to tell me that uh, that we are working in a very fast pace and and, uh, and trying to do a lot of things, uh, but uh, I feel that they they always uh, uh, tell me that the uh, the thing that they like more about me is that I care about them, uh, because yeah. I, uh, believe me, when I ended up at the hospital. Uh, I understand the complexity of being inside the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Uh, it's a lot of work, but but I understand because I was trying to readapt to a new country. It's a lot of changes, a lot of stress, but uh, I wanted to to uh, inspire in them uh, that uh, we are humans, we are not robots, yeah. and we we need to to, to create uh, a good environment because uh, good things uh, uh, and and great things can be achieved only when all the people are involved and when you uh, see them involved. And I feel that they right now see myself not as a threat because in some way they said, wow, this is a, a Colombian, but uh, he thinks totally different <laughs> than us. And believe me, I told you, Philip, uh, I was raised in a conservative uh, family, but uh, my seven years in Lexington moved me to the other uh, side. Now, uh, <laughs> I, 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 that's, I, people change. And people sometimes don't understand that when you live abroad and when you open your mind uh, and you listen to different perspectives, you are uh, like a sponge uh, uh, trying to, to, to understand why they think differently. And in my way, <laughs> I feel that it's important to understand that it doesn't matter if you are conservative or liberal or, or uh, left or right. If you understand that both of them are necessary in the system, in (laughs) the world. I I always tell uh, here, uh, because I see a lot of division here in Colombia that's almost uh, all parts of the world right now. And I always said, think of this. You have your left arm and your right arm. If you cut the left arm, you're incomplete. If you cut your right arm, you're incomplete. So you need both to build and work together. And that's the way that we need to do in the diplomatic corps build bridges, not walls. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And what, what message are you trying to pass on then to future diplomats? Is, is it about uh, the Socrates message of know yourself? Is it about being humble? Is it about being accepting of all points of view? What, what, what would you say?
1: I, I, I am trying to do something very important that I feel that in any country in the world. In order to lead yourself, you need to lead others, you need to lead yourself first. And that demands a lot of emotional intelligence. I feel that IQ is necessary, Philip. And believe me, all the diplomats that I met here and around the world, they are extremely intelligent. But I feel that we need to work more hard in the emotional intelligence to understand in an empathetic way and with empathy, uh, trying to understand the other's points of view. Because in order to build bridges, you need to understand and to reflect, not just in the differences, but in the commonalities that we have as human beings. I see this as a human family and we need to build that. And believe me, you are shocked when you uh, find uh, the new uh, students Uh, they they, they have an inspiration to uh, follow a mission of life, a vocation of life for almost 25, 30 years until they become ambassadors. And I feel they need like a message of hope. That's why I am trying uh, this January uh, 2022, I am trying to uh, train them in some way that emotional intelligence can be learned. That you, yeah. you can uh, open yourself and think out of the box. Because, uh, as I mentioned, this is not just IQ. You could be the smartest person, but always you need to ask, does this make sense? Listen to your inner voice is important in my point of view.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also uh, quite, quite unusual, quite rare to, to dedicate uh, time in education for this self-learning like understanding uh, your personality, how this may be different to other people's personalities, and why. Like, what are some of the dimensions of that? What, what's what's emotional re- resilience? What it, what is it? Um, b- developing awareness of being able to observe your own emotions as they happen. So, all, all that uh, effort is is uh, like I've never come across it. Uh, my, my own educational journey. It's uh, ironically. Uh, o- only during this COVID time <laughs> that, that uh, I've been able to actually uh, focus on that because there were much fewer <laughs> distractions.
1: Yes, no, I understand, Philip, and believe me, it's hard, but but uh, I, I have one reflection that uh, that catch my attention all the time uh, by my time in GMAP and MAL program, both at Fletcher. Uh, I remember that one professor uh, told me they, they forced us to go to Harvard Library. Uh, even in winter time, and uh, we I remember uh, everybody goes there uh, taking the red line uh, uh, from uh, David Square to Harbour Station, and I remember that the the metaphor was uh, try go there to find the sleeping beauties that are <laughs> waiting for the prince to be awake, to discover new ideas, to send a message of hope. And I remember that this was also Alan Hendrickson's. Uh, uh, he yeah. was one of the, the best uh, inspirators that catch uh, uh, me my attention and, and forced me to think uh, in some way that uh, you can uh, find uh, introspection uh, during anything that you are doing. And believe me that when you are going to the library uh, to find those sleeping beauties, you find amazing things that uh, you can uh, share with others. So I feel that it's important. You mentioned that this pandemic forced each one of us to isolate ourselves. And in some way, when you are uh, dealing with yourself, uh, it's important uh, to reflect, to stop, and think uh, what matters to you. What what, what is the most important thing to you? And uh, becoming aware that you are here in the present time, because I don't know if I will be here tomorrow, but uh, when you are here uh, today, you are totally engaged, and if you are centered, you can listen to the other uh, uh, person that what they are trying to tell you. And uh, if they listen to you, then you can start sharing some of your anecdotal evidence. You are not the owner of the truth. You are just sharing another journey, another point of view, like uh, Dean other always mentioned in GIMA program, the kaleidoscopic mind. Try to see <laughs> the world with a kaleidoscope. Uh, that different angles. That it doesn't matter that uh, one is right and the other is wrong. It's just a different point of view.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really wise wise word, uh, Ruben. I've, I've really I've really enjoyed our, our conversation, and uh, I wanted to ask you if there's anything. Anything else you'd like to share, actually, or say?
1: Anything else? Well, I feel that uh, the most important part that I always think about it is that uh, you need to be optimistic. You need to have hope, and uh, never, never give up, like Winston Churchill in (laughs) him. Believe me, because if you uh, lose hope. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, when you lead yourself, you, uh, th- there's some people looking at you. In some ways, your family is your friends, is your country, is your neighbors. And if you lead by example, the real good message is to uh, be always hopeful uh, that you, you believe that uh, you can in some way change the world by changing yourself.
0: I think this is a really, uh, it's a really, really powerful message, and it's one that's also very easy to forget. It's uh, how, uh, how we we really all make uh, waves all around us. So even if sometimes we we may feel discouraged in terms of this optim- optimism that you talk about, but actually. As we keep doing it, as we keep making positive waves, they, they actually ripple all around us. Yes. Uh, that, that's that's quite quite incredible. Yes, that that's
1: true, Philip. Yeah. I remember in one of the messages uh, in some of the social uh, networks. I remember one that that, that uh, catch my mind right now that you mentioned is that uh, be so positive that uh, that positivity impacts others, uh, sparking yeah, yeah. others. You you need to do that. Yeah. Otherwise. <laughs> uh, how you can change uh, uh, even your own circle, your little uh, inner circle, your family. You need to yeah. lead uh, in some way because otherwise uh, you are surrendering yourself. And, and I feel that uh, one thing that, that always kept me going is music. And I remember that song, Never Surrender from corey Hart. I always <laughs> have it in my mind. I play it uh, loudly never surrender
0: (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening please follow us to get notified when new episodes are released